CTC, and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. I'm Lynn Poindexter, and you're watching the 3B4. Thank you so much to everyone who worked so hard to make last weekend's car show such a special day. We were able to see some old friends, and we also met some new friends. We registered 146 cars this year. Thanks to all those who served and made the day run smoothly and helped everyone to have a great time. God bless each of you for your investment in the kingdom of God. Our men's dinner meets on the first Wednesday of each month at 6 p.m. It is a great time of food and fellowship as men from both campuses join together for the evening. The next men's dinner will be on Wednesday, July 5th at 6 p.m. at Crossroads Restaurant on Kirkwood Highway. You can text Kevin Sturgis at 302-345-4551. Vacation Bible School begins this Monday, and our kids' ministry is getting ready for you. This year's schedule will be different from previous years. BBS will run nightly, June 26th to 30th from 5 to 7.30 p.m. at the Bear Campus. The theme is Babylon, Daniel's Courage and Captivity. During this week, you will explore sights and smells in a Babylonian bazaar and find out that we are not much different from Daniel and his friends who kept their faith in a faithless culture. To sign up to serve or to register your child, go to ctcde.church events. Thanks for being here today. You can find more information about all of our events by going to ctcde.church. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. As we worship together today, our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God than ever. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. Now, let's get ready to worship. Good morning. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. Can we stand together this morning? Psalm 34, 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. That means that whether times are good or whether times are tough, we are always giving thanks to the Lord for who he is and for all he does in us. So let's make this declaration today. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, and yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy We're counting on you. Sing it. 
and I count one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, and yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yeah. today, God, we, we declare today in this place that whether times are good or times are hard, that when the tough times come, and they will, that we will make a choice. We will pre-decide. We will already have decided in our hearts to give you praise, whatever the weather looks like, whatever the circumstances look like, whatever things around us look like, whatever the world looks like. We choose to glorify you because your name is far above all names. And so, Lord Jesus, today we bring worship and honor and glory to you. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and move among us. Invade our space. Challenge us today, God. Change us. Inspire us. Move us. Make a change in our lives. We pray this today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, again, welcome to Christ the Cornerstone, and thanks for being here today. If you're new, if you've never been here before, and uh, you're with us in the building, uh, we welcome you. Uh, On your way out today, on the left-hand side of the mall, is our Connect Central. We invite you to stop by there and pick up a gift. 
Uh, you'll have a chance to meet some folks from our church, find out about all the ministries that we have going on here at CTC, and uh, how maybe you might be able to get involved uh, in some of those ministries. If you're new and you're worshiping online, welcome to you as well, and thank you for worshiping online with us. Uh, there is a uh, I'm New card that you can uh, click a tab up in the upper right-hand corner of the screen, or you can click the uh, button that just popped up in the chat window uh, right where you're watching. Uh, also at your seat and uh, where, you're, where you're seated at your chair or your table today is a Connect card. Uh, if you would do us a favor and fill that out whenever you worship with us and let us know who's worshiping with you. Uh, if you're worshiping online, there's an online Connect card uh, that you can fill that out and uh, just let us know you're worshiping. And uh, if you have prayer requests or praise reports that you need to share with us, uh, we would love to hear about those things uh, because we meet together throughout the week. Uh, and pray over those. So uh, if you need to communicate those kind of things to us, uh, you can do that on the Connect card. All right? All right. Good. Sometimes I, sometimes I don't know if anybody's listening. Sometimes I feel like I'm at my house and nobody, you know, I'm talking and I'm just kidding. See, now you're awake. Here's Pastor Roger. But Papa Pastor Bill, nobody wants to listen to you. <laughs> good morning, everybody. So good to see all of you here this morning, and welcome online if you're joining us online. I want to give thanks this morning. This is, this is a moment that I call our stewardship time. It's a time when we, we talk about the, the, the ways in which we love, serve, and engage. And I just want to say thank you to all of you for serving last week during our car show. And what a great event that was. I have no idea how many cars were here on show, but we had the front parking lot full, the side lot had many cars in it, and, and there were cars on show on the, on the grass. But more, most importantly, what was, what was so pleasing to me was seeing you at, at walking around just visiting. Yes, you enjoyed the car show, but you took the opportunity to meet people, to say, how, how are you doing, to, to talk with people. And I'm so grateful for that because that's how the faith of Jesus Christ is shared. When we invite people to, to, to our home and we show that kind of hospitality, God loves all people. God loves you. And I thank you for serving in that way. I'm grateful to all of our staff who helped organize that and keep things in order. But you followed their leadership, and I'm grateful to you for doing that. One more thing today uh, is a car show at our Ellesmere campus, 12.30 till 2.30 today. Uh, our Ellesmere campus is having a Model T car show, just Ford Model Ts and uh, and so if you're up in that area, uh, our, our campus up there is on the Kirkwood Highway right next to the BJ's, which is not far from the Veterans Hospital on Kirkwood Highway. So if you're there between 2.30 and, uh, I mean, 12.30 and 2.30 today, I encourage you to stop by there. I've got one more opportunity for you to serve this week. Tomorrow night at 5 o'clock, uh, we're starting our family vacation Bible school. And it'll run all week this week from 5 until 7.30. It includes... Uh, supper. There will be a, a meal at five, served at 5 o'clock. Bring your family and we'll, we'll eat together as families. And then families will go together through the different activities throughout the, throughout the VBS this week. I've been assigned to some kind of tent to do something with making musical instruments. And uh, not quite sure what that is, but if you come and you can meet with me and we'll discover it together what that is. So it sounds like a lot of fun every, every night this week. Now, if you get 
the email. How, raise your hand if you get an email from me on Fridays or, or whatever. And I see a few of you do that. Every Friday I'm sending out a, an email newsletter that gives a, a little inspirational message. Short, I, I keep it to 250 words. You can read 250 words in an email just to encourage you a little bit. And, uh, and then there are some other announcements on there. And one of the announcements this week is all about our family vacation Bible school. What I want you to do is go back to your computer or look it up on your phone right now. Think about a family that you can forward that email to and say, hey, we're having this event at our church this week and it sounds like a lot of fun. Would you like to join us? Forward that email to them and uh, invite them to come. And if you don't get that email from us, Check your spam. It comes from Christ the Cornerstone, but we send it through MailChimp. So sometimes MailChimp things just get thrown right into spam folders. But if you save that and tell MailChimp that that's not spam, you want to hear what those things are. And then if you don't get those emails and you've checked MailChimp, check to make sure we have your current email address and an accurate email address. If you think we don't, go ahead and write that on the connect card or on the offering envelope or post it in a, in a message to us someplace and we'll make sure you get added to that list. Now let's encourage one another being generous and giving thanks to God for, for being able to give to God as a sign of our faith and our trust in God. We give generously. So let's read this scripture together this morning. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So I encourage you to give, whether it's your time or some of your resources, some of your belongings. Maybe God is asking you to open your home to, to, a, to a new group or just to, just to welcome others in the name of Jesus. Do that. Let's stand again together as we continue to worship. And I'll offer this prayer as we transition. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be able to gather in your presence. And and as we just sang, God, we choose to come here this morning. God, all of us are in different circumstances this morning. Some of us have had good news today. Some of us are here, God, because we need to hear you encourage us. Some of us are here, God, because we need your healing. Some of us are here because we don't know what direction to turn. And and our life is just kind of stagnant. And we need to know what is our purpose and why are we here and what are we to do next. But we need to hear you, God, speak to us. Come, Holy Spirit. Even as we sing these songs, or maybe we're just listening to these songs, speak to us, encourage us, give us peace. Give us your hope as we trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. We're here to worship you, to lift you up, to say thanks to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. When we started the service this morning, we quoted Psalm 34.1 that says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. As that scripture goes on further, we find in verse 4 these words. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. 
as time goes on, we, we talked several weeks ago about, uh, at the end of our last series, about Colossians chapter 3 and about speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And we get what hymns are. They're songs that are written about God or about our relationship with one another or our relationship with Him. Spiritual songs are songs that come directly from our heart that no one has ever written. But we also can sing the psalms. And over and over and over again, we find excerpts from psalms in the songs that we sing. And we want to teach you a new song today called Trust in God. And when we get to the bridge, you will find those words from Psalm 34.4. I sought the Lord and He answered And he delivered me from all my fears. God, we trust in you today above all. Lord, we give ourselves to you.
comes that song. Sing it with us. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered.
worship you, God. Oh, we worship you, Lord. I just believe somebody needs that word today. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. In verse 3 of Psalm 34, it says, Magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. So there is strength that we draw when we are in a situation, where we're, when we're in a room like this, in a moment like this, drawing strength from one another's worship, the energy that's in this room. But this is not the only place that that energy exists because the Holy Spirit goes with us when we leave. He promised to be here when we come together to worship Him, but when we go, He goes with us. He doesn't stay here. He goes with us wherever we go. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who has never failed. He will never fail. Whoever needs to hear that today, I want you to just allow the Holy Spirit to minister that word to you. He will never fail. He will never fail. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you need a financial miracle today. I don't care if you need a physical healing. I don't care if you have a relationship that you think is beyond repair. I don't, I don't care if you have a job situation that is desperate for you. I don't, it doesn't matter what it is. He will never fail. God, we thank you that we can seek you. Seek you earnestly with all of our heart, as Jeremiah says, and you will be found. And God, today, we seek your face. And we ask you to hear us and answer us and deliver us from all of our fears. Deliver us from those things that keep us from you, that keep us from fellowshipping with you, that keep us out of fellowship with one another. And God, in situations in our lives when we don't understand, when we need you to make a way, God, we know that so many times, so often, even when we can't see it or we don't know it, that you're making a way. We don't know how you do it, but we know you do.
We don't need to know. We don't need to know. What we need to do today, for those in need to hear that word in the last song that we sung, that he will never fail, today what I want us to do is to make room for the Holy Spirit to move us. Just lay it down. Just surrender it all. Lay it down at his feet and allow him to take it. And he will.
Just sense it for a moment. 
maybe the same people that needed to hear earlier that he will never fail need to just take a moment and clear away all the stuff and make room. Make room for him to move. Move among us, Holy Spirit. The Lord wants to bring to our forefront today the simple thought that we've all probably heard before. But we can't surrender wholly with our hands in a fist. We can't surrender wholly when we are holding on tightly to something. Surrendering wholly to God. He spoke to my heart a minute ago and said, one thing I've learned with this thing on my hand is I can't hold anything. And that's been such a beautiful lesson to me because I tend to say, okay, God, this is yours, but not what's inside. Just, 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 I'll give you my this and I'll give you my this and I'll give you my this. But what God says is, I want it all. Unclench those fists and open up and allow him to take every part of you, every part of you. And I believe that that's what God is speaking to, to us this morning. Open your hands. It's amazing what happens when you open up and you allow God to see the things that he sees anyway, but he wants us to surrender them to him. That's good. We've talked about this idea of surrender before here in this place, and it's one of those Hebrew words for praise that indicates lifting of hands, and one of the reasons we lift our hands is to surrender. So if you would this morning... This is, I don't mean this to be weird, but if you would just bow your head and close your eyes, and if somebody today needs to physically lift their hands and open their fists to indicate to God, I am letting this go, we're just going to give you a minute to do that. is our surrender. God, here's where we lay it down. Here's where it ends. Here's where the clenched fists end and the surrender begins right here in this moment today. We thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. God is merciful. I want to invite the children to come forward as as they go out to their rooms and and uh, I just want to say, as the children are coming, what a, what a blessing it is to me. Thank you, moms and dads, grandparents, whoever, who, who welcome our children. We have made a room, a space for our children. And we pray, God, we'll make room for you. And so we're so grateful that um, I'm glad to be a church where, uh, where, where we welcome the children and families to worship together. And I remember as a child laying my head on the pew uh, on my grandmother's lap. And what did that teach me about God? It taught me that I am welcome. And that's what we're saying to these children. So let's pray for them and let's bless them as they go. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that there is room for everyone in your worship space. We ask you to bless these young ones. 
these children of yours. Bless the adults, the teachers that will be with them. Let them soak up your grace, your mercy, knowledge of who you are, that they may trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Go have a good time, you guys. And don't, don't tell them that you asked Pastor Roger to go get you a cookie, and he did. out. Sounds kind of like a child acting up, right? <laughs> but, but God wants us to act out our faith in Him. Well, there's a good picture. There's our drum set. Daniel, where are you? I need to be sitting at the drums. <laughs> acting out. Playing our part in the kingdom of God. What is your part? You know, we talk about playing drama, playing in a a play, and we know it's just pretend, it's no, it's just acting. But you know, every drama that gets played out that you go see, the actors are, are really in those situations. And good actors, we've all seen good actors, we've all seen bad actors, and good actors are the ones who, who immerse themselves in the role. So that when they're, when they're playing their part, it is, it is absolutely convincing that we're watching. We're, we're just the spectators of this thing. But God has a, a place for you, a purpose for you, a role for you to fulfill in the kingdom of God. And God can't accomplish what God wants to do without you. You're unique. And there's nobody else in this world that can play the part that you were created to play. So find that out. Discover what that is. And I believe, and I think our Scripture teaches this, that nobody can do your part. And that that you're the only one. You're unique. There's nobody else on this earth like you. Thank you, Jesus, for that. There's nobody else. Yeah, you're saying, thank you, Jesus. There's nobody else like Pastor Roger. But thank you, God, that there's nobody. We are all unique, and we have to find our part. God has a part for you to play. And one of the things that God is going to come and live with you in order that you can fulfill the purpose and the plan that God has for your life. That will be a life of abundance, a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of forgiveness, a life of hope, and an everlasting Life through your faith and trust in Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior. Jesus came on this earth. (laughs) He announced forgiveness of sins. He proclaimed good news, freedom to the captives. He healed all kinds of sickness and disease. 
And for that, He was crucified on the cross because all of those things that He did declared that He is God. And that was blasphemous. And so they crucified Him on the cross. But it was all part of God's plan. So that in dying on the cross, Jesus took with Him the penalty for all of our sins. And that penalty died with Christ. And when Christ was raised again, when God reached down and raised Christ again from the grave, it says to all of us, there is life. There is forgiveness by our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. We trust in that. Fifty days after Jesus rose from the dead, He he had already ascended into heaven. And fifty days after His crucifixion, the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus promised to give to us, fell upon His disciples. That's what we're talking about in this acting out playing the part that God has for us. The Holy Spirit has come in order to equip us, to teach us, to fulfill in us the purpose that God has for my life and your life. We are, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we're looking at different people in in the New Testament after the Holy Spirit comes. Last week we looked at Peter. And we saw after he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was given great boldness to go and proclaim Jesus Christ. What did he proclaim? He proclaimed that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross, who was resurrected from the grave, and he gives us new life forever. Jesus is raised from the dead. And Peter said this, for Jesus said, for Jesus is the one that the Scriptures refer to when it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And so Peter was made bold to declare Jesus resurrected, the only one God sent to save all people. In the name of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus, you are healed. In the name of Jesus, you have the hope of everlasting life. In the name of Jesus, God sends to us all His Holy Spirit, His presence in our lives. Today we look at the life of Barnabas, filled with the Holy Spirit. Barnabas becomes an example of the effect of what God does in the life of a community. Not just an individual, but in the life of a community. So let's look at at Barnabas as an example of what God does. Acts chapter 4. Starting, I'm going to start with verse 31, which is the verse that we ended with last week. So there's this connection between between what Peter experienced in his proclamation that Jesus is the one and only Savior and what we're going to see happens next. So we read in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, as we read last week, after this prayer, what prayer? The prayer that Peter and the disciples prayed alone in their room after Peter had Peter and John had been... Uh, Before the Jewish leadership, and they had been scolded, they had been reprimanded, and then they had been let go. 
And the, and the, the Jewish leaders were saying, what do we do with these people? And while they're deliberating, Peter and John go back with the disciples and there's this powerful prayer that we read last week that said something, I'm paraphrasing, God, stretch out your hand over us that we may see miracles and signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. After that prayer, the meeting place shook. <laughs> the meeting place shook. Now the children, some of the children are below us. Let's scare them. And let's all stomp our feet. Ready? Roll your feet. Now, moms and dads, when you get the kids in the car, you ask them if they heard the rumble in the floor. And you say, what was that about? We were practicing. We were imagining. We were remembering that when the Holy Spirit came, the building shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What happened next? Then they preached the Word of God with boldness. It's not my job alone to preach the Word of God with boldness. You are the preacher that God is sending to somebody. So whether it's a calm, gentle word, or a powerful word of instruction saying, stop it, do it with boldness in the name of Jesus. But you are the ones that God is sending to go. Thank you. Pastor Mary, <laughs> you are the ones. Well, she's saying it to me, aren't you? I am the one. We all are the ones. They preach the Word of God with boldness. And look at this. What happened next? What, what, the Holy Spirit came. They prayed. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They preached with boldness. And verse 32 says, All, all the believers were what? Untied? Is that a typo? All the believers were untied? No, 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 no. Say it with me. All the believers were united in heart and mind. Their thinking was united. Their heart was united. Some translations say soul. Their entire lives, they were united together. What else happened? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they felt that what they owned was not their own. Therefore, they shared everything they had. You know, this, do you believe this? This, this is what every government in the world is seeking to accomplish, isn't it? That everybody's needs are cared for. And we get, and, and, and we get, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to talk politics. I'm talking scripture. I'm talking scripture. Because God desires that everyone has what everyone needs. 
That's not, that's, that's not the Democrats' plan. That's not the Republicans' plan. That's God's plan. That everybody has what everybody needs. Now, what we argue about is how we're going to accomplish that. Lord, help us. Because we know what we're all trying to do is what you want us to do. We all want to be in a society where everybody has what they need. They felt what they had was not their own. So, therefore, why therefore? Because they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is the cause of all these things. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give it to those in need. For instance. (laughs) Now we're to Barnabas. But his name wasn't Barnabas. His name was what? It's right there on the screen. Joseph. A guy named Joe. (laughs) Who they nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi, and he came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and gave the money. Through the apostles. Joseph. Member of the tribe of Levi. The, the tribe of Levi is part of the twelve tribes of Israel. The Levites were the priests of Israel. Declared by God. And their job as a priest was be, to be the intermediaries between the people and between God. And there were days when, when, the people, when, when the priest stood before the people and proclaimed to the people what God had said. That's the job of a priest. And then the priest turns around and the job of the priest is to look to God and voice what the people are saying to God. Oh God, we need your help. Oh God, forgive us. The priests were the ones to whom the people of Israel brought their gifts, their offerings, their tithes, their sacrifices. And the priests took them and presented them before God for forgiveness, for worship. The priests had this role. The priests were prohibited from owning land. Well, how are they going to get what they need? From the people who gave to the temple. So the priests were dependent upon the offerings and the faithfulness and the tithes of the people. So that the families of the priests would be cared for also. And so would the widows. And so would the orphans. And so would those who could not work. Cared for by others. I don't know how in the time between God giving that command and Levi, I don't know what changed in the the thousands of years between those the the giving of the law and when, when Joseph named Barnabas, nicknamed Barnabas comes, that Barnabas was able to own land as a Levite. I don't know what what changed. The law didn't change. 
something changed. Now, some scholars say, well, it's possible that, you see, the Bible says he was from Cyprus, and so he owned land on the island of Cyprus, which is in the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea. It's not exactly part of the Holy Land. And so maybe they were, they were getting picky about interpreting God's law, and they said, well, Levites can't own land in, in, in the Holy Land, but they can own land someplace else. I don't know. That's a, that's a thought. <laughs> Somebody had. Barnabas, Joseph Barnabas, was clearly a man of influence because we see him showing up in other scriptures as being a great encourager, but also a teacher of others. And so he had risen to, to, to have the respect of his colleagues and of others in Israel. When he met Jesus, and when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he is an example of the unity and the following generosity that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's not lose the context of what's happening in this passage. It is the filling of the Holy Spirit that brings the oneness, the harmony in the body of Christ. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to, we, we've got to have habits of, of recognizing when in our lives we're not filled with the Holy Spirit and when in our lives the, the Holy Spirit is, is, is moving in us. Or, or, you know, here's a test. Do you experience any place in your life? Let's start with the church. I'm going to step on some toes. Keep your shoes on. Then just got sandals on. Sorry, you open, you wear open-toed shoes today because it's going to hurt. No, I don't think so. Even in the church, we have disagreements. In the church, we have division. In the church, we don't get along with each other. And I am not skipping over the irony that we as a United Methodist Church, we as a congregation, have voted to leave the United Methodist denomination. And I'm not saying that what we've done is wrong. I believe that what we've done as a congregation has been led by God. But everybody doesn't agree with that. But can we still have a sense of unity? I I talked last week about Acts chapter 15 and I gave you the assignment to go read it. Because in it are two examples of disunity in the church and both are handled very differently. But there is unity within the church, even with the divisions that are in the church. John Wesley, who is the founder of the method, what is now the, the United Methodist Church and, and other denominations, such as the Wesleyan denomination, the Nazarene Church, the Free Methodist Church, the Global Methodist Church, the African Methodist Church, Zion, the African Methodist Episcopal Church, the CME Church, all these denominations come out of the movement that John Wesley started. And John Wesley had this phrase, if we cannot all act alike, I'm paraphrasing badly, can we not all love alike? And and so let's... There's got to be unity in the church. And where does that unity come from? Especially among us human beings where it is so difficult for us to get. It comes 
from being filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's the test. Do you experience any disunity, disharmony with anyone else in your church? Let me step on toes a little bit more. How about in your family? Is there any disunity in your family? I mean, you could, you, you could argue, well, we're not all Christians in my family, therefore disunity is expected. Oh, really? <laughs> but, but, but if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, wouldn't we have the obligation to treat others with peace and harmony anyway? Even those with whom we disagree? With respect? With civility? To show them God's love? We may never agree on policies together, but we certainly can agree on loving one another. Unity and harmony. Barnabas is an example. And out of that unity and harmony for Barnabas comes immense. I almost said immense. Immense. I-M-E-M-S-E. Generosity. That's the word I'm trying to get to. Great generosity is the, is the outflow, is the result of unity and harmony. You want, to see, you want to see generosity? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And be in harmony with others. And when we're in harmony with somebody who needs something, don't you think it would be much easier to be generous to them? But if we're looking at somebody else as my enemy, as the one who just wants to take something from me, I'm not. And God says, God loves a cheerful giver, but, when it, but, but if I'm obligated to give something, I'm not giving it in harmony, and I'm not being very generous. It starts with being filled with God's Holy Spirit in our lives. Psalm 133 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in harmony. Some translations say unity. Same word. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. I've seen images of that action right there. The anointing of a leader. The anointing of a priest. Uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, and, and for some reason, I don't know where this came from, but it's just this, this image of somebody. I don't know what movie it was in or where I saw it, but, but the, somebody was being anointed with oil from those days. And, and the priest had this great big pitcher of olive oil and they poured it over the man's head. I mean, the, the entire pitcher and the olive oil was thick. I'm like, how in the world did they get olive oil like that? We have this olive oil that's pure, purified and thin and then... You know, they say it's pure olive oil, but it's probably mixed with all kinds of other oils by the time it gets to gets to our grocery store and to our kitchen. But this was thick olive oil, and it just it it was kind of like goo that just ran over his his head and his beard. That's the harmony. That's what God wants harmony to be for us, all over us, all through us. Messy (laughs) generosity. How good it is. It's like precious oil, that unity. 
precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, down Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling upon Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. Where? In that place of unity. Not on Mount Hermon. Not on the beard. Those are all images of the unity that is the place where God gives His great blessing. You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to have this unity, in order to see God's blessings. God's not going to give it into a church or into a family where everybody's just cantankerous and competing against each other and fighting. There's got to be unity. It is a sign of the blessing of God. Take rowing for an example. An easy example. There's a book titled Boys in the Boat. It's a thrilling story of the 1936 University of Washington crew team, which, which was a team that went from backwater obscurity, nobody knew about them, to a gold medal in the 1936, almost a hundred years ago, Berlin Olympics. Now, most schools at that time, the, the, the pedigree schools, the one that had the best crew teams were Yale and Harvard and Princeton. But all of a sudden, here's this, here's this crew that comes out of the University of Washington. Nobody had heard of that. But here's a description. Author of that book, Boys in the Boat, Daniel James Brown, shows the University of Washington built a team from kids raised on farms in logging towns and near shipyards. They blew away their Californian rivals and they bested the cream of New England to become American, the, the, the American Olympic team and won a gold medal in 1936 Berlin Olympics. And they won that by maintaining a sense of unity in the midst of diversity. And here's how, here's how that author explains the eight individuals varying, uh, of varying statures, physiques, and personalities, how they could capitalize on their diversity. He says, races are won by crews, not individuals. And great crews are carefully balanced blends of both physical abilities and personality types. A crew composed of eight amped up overly aggressive oarsmen will often degenerate into a dysfunctional brawl in a boat. <laughs> Each one competing, I can row stronger, I can row faster than you, and the boat sinks. Or they'll just tire themselves out in the first leg of the race and have no energy left for the rest. Similarly, he says, a boatload of quiet but strong introverts may never find the common core of fiery resolve that causes the boat to explode past its competitors when all seems lost. Good crews are good blends of personalities. Someone to lead the charge. Someone to hold something in reserve. Someone who's ready to pick a fight. Someone 
who can make peace, someone who thinks things through, and someone who's willing to charge ahead without thinking. And somehow, all of those personalities must mesh together. That's the steepest challenge for a team. And even after that right mixture is found, each man or woman in the boat must recognize his or her place in the fabric of the crew. They must accept that place. They must accept the other's teammates as they are. And it is an exquisite thing when it all comes together at just the right time in just the right way. We've all seen that happen. God is calling His church to be that place. God is calling our families to be that place. Family is, is where our children learn how to live. And we can't, we can't just bring our children to church and expect them, and expect them sound like Ricky, expect them, to, <laughs> expect them to learn how to live as God wants us to live if the family's not living that way. It's got to happen in our families. Dads, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Moms, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Your marriage has to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the foundation. And out of that comes those beautiful children who are looking to you to be that foundation. You are God to to your children. What are you teaching your children about who God is? Until they grow up and they can understand they can think differently. We're all in this boat together. Maybe I should ask, maybe in what boat do you see yourself today and who's in the boat with you? And uh, the, the, the question is not, how do I get that person out of my boat? The question is, how do I unite with that person whom God has placed in my boat? That's tough. And in order to answer that question, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Gordon MacDonald is an author you may be aware of, a pastor. Wrote very popular books back in the 1980s, long time ago. Long before some of us were born. Not me. But he shares this story about visiting a small group of men and women who, who were part of Alcoholics Anonymous. He said he went to one of their group meetings because he has friends who are recovering and he wanted to learn about what is this process. And so he describes what he observed in this meeting. And he says, one morning, Kathy, I guess her age was 35, joined us for the first time. One look at her face caused me to conclude that she must have been Hollywood beautiful at 21. But now her face was swollen, eyes red, teeth rotting, hair looked unwashed, uncombed for who knows how long. She said, I've been in five states in the past month. I've slept under bridges on several nights. I've been arrested. I've been raped. I've been robbed. I don't know what to do. And sobbing, she stammered out the words, I don't know what to do. I can't stop drinking. Next to Kathy was a rather large woman named Marilyn. Marilyn had been sober for more than a dozen years. 
And with both of her arms, Marilyn reached over to Kathy, pulled her close, so close, these are McDonald's words, so close that, close that Kathy's face was pressed to Marilyn's ample breast. I didn't say she was ample. Don't crucify me. Just reading the story. <laughs> McDonald said, I was, so, I was close enough to hear Marilyn speak quietly into Kathy. Kathy's ear, and she said, Honey, you're going to be okay. You're with us now. We can deal with this together. All you have to do is keep coming. Keep on coming. You hear me? Just keep coming. And then Marilyn kissed the top of Kathy's head. McDonald said, I was awestruck. Those simple words, the affection, the tenderness, how Jesus-like. I couldn't avoid a troubling question that morning. He said, could this have happened in the places where I have worshipped? Would there have been a space in the program for Kathy to tell her story? Would there have been a Maryland, a Maryland to, to respond this way? How about us? about your family? Is there space for you to be filled with God's Holy Spirit, to have such unity that like Kathy, or like Marilyn, you can reach out to someone like Kathy and say, we're going to get through this together with unity and harmony. Don't you want to be part of that church? I do. And I thank you. This is not a this is not a lecture. Uh, this is a this is a this is a, a, a casting the vision of what God wants us to be as a church. And I thank you who are already there with us. So let's go out from here, and let's hold our arms out to those who are struggling. And the struggle doesn't have to be as drastic as alcoholism. But you know what? We have no idea what the struggle is in our neighbor's home. In the person that is in the grocery line in front of us, that as they're going through the self-checkout, slowly, <laughs> and you're sitting there going, oh, come on, hurry up, i got to go, i got to go. Forgive me, Lord. Fill me with your unity. I think we got some stuff to pray about this morning. I think the God, God is pressing upon you. So let's take time as we sing to pray. And I invite you to come here just as an expression that says, God, I, I, am, I, am, I am letting go. Bill, Bill led us powerfully earlier in that act of letting go to God. And you know what happens? When we let go of our stuff, we're able to hear God speak to us. And then we're able to, instead of turning our hands this way, to let go of something, ready to pick up what God has for us and what joy there is in receiving what the Lord has for us. Maybe you just need to confess your sin. Maybe you're one of those people I, I don't believe Jesus is, is I don't believe Jesus resurrected from the dead but maybe there's something in you that's saying today maybe it is true. Let me say this that you won't experience the resurrection in your life until you trust in who Jesus is.
you say, God, it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to rely on Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. Jesus said in in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who realize their need for God. If you're feeling a conviction this morning, you're feeling your need for God. Don't miss the opportunity. You say, God, I need you. I may not even know what I need you for, God, but there's something in me that says I need you. I want you to come this morning. If you're online, I want you to ask somebody to pray with you. I just know I need God. Would you pray? I don't know what for. we got people already at the prayer stations ready to pray for you. If you want to pray alone, I encourage you, come up here. Just kneel here. Jesus, I need you. My family needs you. Let's stand together as we sing and as we pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. You've been present with us in our singing present with us in the proclamation and the reading of your word. God, don't let us, any of us, miss this opportunity to receive your blessing, to receive your forgiveness, to receive unity. Some of us, God, may go home after having conflict with family members for years and we're able to embrace a brother or a sister or a parent or a child with genuine affection unity. Thank you, Jesus, for working in our lives. We come to you now, asking you to continue to work. In Jesus' name.
give you our worship. We surrender, Lord, generously to you everything that we have and everything that we are. Our resources, our gifts, our talents, our time, our testimony. We give all of those things to you with open hands. We surrender today. And we ask you to make us like the early church. Lord, we ask you to surround us with the presence of your Holy Spirit. And that as we all play the part that you've given us to play in the kingdom of God, we pray that you would empower us with boldness to speak the word. Go with us, Holy Spirit, as we leave today with your presence. Lord, encourage us this week. Give us divine appointments to be able to share the message of love hope and salvation that we know so well. We pray this today in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. The altar area is still open if you want to come and pray before you leave. There are folks still at the prayer stations if you're online. There are folks available to pray with you for a few more minutes. Uh, Don't leave today. If you need prayer from someone, don't leave today until you accomplish that. God bless you. Have a great week.